Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Health Mystery Solved. Over the last six months, I introduced you to lots of cases with all types of ailments. Some of these people have dealt with their issues for a little while, and others have dealt with it for years. But thankfully, we were able to get to the bottom of them from the inside out. When we look at these cases, their issues were due to a lot of different things, from genetics to overuse of antibiotics to not eating right for their body to toxins and deficiencies, and that is just naming a few. However, in some situations, health mysteries can arise from things we don't expect, things that can actually be considered healthy. And so today, I want to talk to you about some mistakes that I see people make when trying to be healthy that may actually be creating new health mysteries. And I'm not talking about general health mistakes, because I know that many of you listening to this are already quite aware of general health principles. You know the biggies. But what I want to shed light on are the mistakes that we can unknowingly make when we're actually trying to do something that's good for us. And how do I know these mistakes? Well, I see them a ton in my practice, and full disclosure, I have made some of these mistakes over the years as well. Seeing how common they are, I wanted to make sure that you are aware of them and help prevent you, my friend, from making them as well. Before we get to mistake number one, I wanted to do a quick listener shout out to Victoria1974, who gave us a five-star review on iTunes. She writes, What a cool way to structure a podcast. Reminds me of the show House. Even if I don't have every specific health issue discussed, I've been learning something new from each episode and have seen very positive changes in my health already. Thank you so much, Victoria, for this review. So sweet of you to take a few minutes to post that. And if you guys are enjoying the show and can take a moment to post a review, I would really appreciate it. And I will read some of those in the upcoming shows. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Most of us are struggling with decision fatigue. There are so many ways to eat. Low carb, keto, paleo, Whole30, AIP, low lectin, you name it. And so many supplements we could possibly take. When we have so many options to try to be healthy and do something good for our bodies, it can sometimes result in trying all of these things, getting completely overwhelmed, and then giving up. Perhaps that may be you. Or you can also be on the other side of the spectrum, someone who reads a lot, loves to learn about the different approaches to health, but not actually put it in practice in fear of getting it right, or perhaps in fear of it not working. Do either of these sound familiar at all? If I can impart one message on you today, that is that doing something healthy does not always have to be super hard. Everything that you do counts. Even little steps can take you to big results. So as we get into the five most common mistakes and how to fix them, I want you to be mindful that you have the power to do it. You, my friend, are the writer, producer, and director of your life and therefore your health. Approach health with the belief that you can and you will be steps ahead. And this brings me to mistake number one, 
which is saying you can't do something. So often, test results or experimentation may reveal a specific food sensitivity or allergy where a food needs to be taken out of the diet. While this could be easy for some, I often hear from others that they just can't do it. I just can't take out gluten from my diet, or I just can't live without dairy. This is just something I can't do. My family's Italian and we eat pasta on Sundays. I travel for work and I can't find any other option. And the list goes on and on and on. While I understand certain things are more difficult than others, and I understand this from personal experience because I am gluten and dairy free and I've gone through a lot of this myself, but please understand that there is a difference between can't and won't. And while it may seem like saying I can't take out gluten because yada, 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 the word can't is probably not the right word because if someone had a gun to your head, you probably could, right? So the real question is, will you or will you not? And it's the understanding that it's not so much that you can't, but that you won't. So I always ask people to think about that. Is it that you can't or is it that you won't? And after taking a second to think about it, most people realize it. Here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you won't. That's step number one. If that's you, just a realization that you do have control makes a huge difference. It's in your control and you're just choosing not to, at least for now. For most people, realizing that they do have control and that they choose not to actually helps to bring their power back. They're able to sit with that. And then sometimes after a day, a week, or maybe a month, they're able to make the decision that they're ready and then they do it. So next time you find there's a change you may need to make, and it seems like you can't, ask yourself, is it that you truly can't or that you won't? Sit with it. And as the power comes back to you, because you do have the power, you will most likely be able to make it happen. Mistake number two follows this line, but from the opposite aspect. So often people come to see me after seeing two, three, four, or even five other practitioners. They're coming in with stacks of test results, showing they have imbalances, deficiencies, genetic variances, and tons of food allergies and sensitivities from numerous tests. These folks are coming in on a super limited diet due to their past tests and are often avoiding lots of different foods. They are meticulous about how they cook, where they eat, and even cross-contamination. They're really following the rules. That's great, right? Well, it's important to follow your food sensitivities. But what I often see in these cases is people are so good about knowing what foods to avoid, they sometimes forget about what foods to eat, and they're not replacing them with anything else in the process. Because of this, they start avoiding entire food groups and often completely forget about a very, very important concept, blood sugar balancing. I talk about blood sugar a lot on the different episodes because it is so essential to health. What people can sometimes forget is that blood sugar dysregulation is actually one of the biggest stressors on the body. We all know stress is bad for us, right? Well, stress is not just emotional, it's also physical and not balancing your food will create this blood sugar imbalance, which in turn will create a ton of extra stress. So let me give you an example. My client, Allison, came to see me with sensitivities to gluten, corn, and rice. She cut them all out, but didn't replace any of her carbs. She was eating lots of proteins, lots of veggies, but no carbohydrates. 
Now, while some people can do this, she was what I call a carb metabolic type. And this type of plan was not right for her. Like it would be for someone that was more of a fat metabolic type. Her digestion felt better from this plan, but she came to see me because she was exhausted, losing too much weight and feeling extremely foggy. While there were other things in the mix, this was the one big elephant in the room that no one had mentioned to her till she saw me and it was the simplest one out of all of them. She was completely starving her body of carbs and she really needed them for energy. So we introduced good carbs that did not include rice, gluten, or corn. We used things like millet, sweet potato, squash, and pumpkin. And voila, her energy improved and she started to slowly put on healthy weight. Sounds simple, right? Well, in this case, it was. But I can't tell you how many people follow these really complicated plans, but then will forget the basics. This happens a lot. And so I want you to be aware. Of course, the ratio of carbs, protein, and fats are going to be different for different people, and some will do better with a little more or a little less, but we typically need a bit of all the food groups and balancing them to help support a properly balanced blood sugar. Mistake number three is what I often see when people take out grains in a way that can hurt them more than it can help them. Grain-free is super popular these days, and for good reason. Grains could be very inflammatory for some people. And for those who are lectin sensitive, there are tons of lectins in grains that could contribute to inflammation and autoimmunity. I am all for taking out grains if necessary and have done so myself during Hashimoto's flare-ups with great success. However, going on a grain-free diet needs to be done right. And if you overconsume certain foods, you could be increasing oxalates in your body. Now, if you're not familiar with oxalates, Oxalates are crystalline molecules that we mostly absorb from our diet, though a little can be produced by some infections like candida. These oxalates can accumulate in the body and cause a lot of inflammation. The symptoms of oxalate accumulation include pain in the body from joints to muscles to even inside the eyes, as well as neurological symptoms. Oxalates have also been associated with vulvodynia and fibromyalgia pain. Oxalates are also largely known to cause kidney stones. Another interesting fact is that children with autism who exhibit certain behaviors like eye poking have been shown to have a buildup of oxalates behind their eyes that causes so much pain and that's what's actually causing them to do the eye poking. This oxalate buildup is thought to be caused by or even exacerbated by calcium deficiency. Now, foods that are highest in oxalates are a lot of very healthy foods like spinach and nuts, potatoes, and berries. When going grain-free, so many people start to eat more greens like spinach and substitute almond for everything. There's so many grain-free options that use almond meal. Plus, we have almond milk and we snack on almonds. We consume lots of sweet potatoes and we eat lots of spinach because greens are good, Right. Well, all this adds up to a huge level of oxalates that many can't handle due to their genetics coupled with the calcium deficiency, which is also really common. So this can create a lot of issues because oxalates can cause so much more than just kidney stones, but things like we just talked about, the body aches, joint pains, bladder issues, and even fibromyalgia symptoms. So see how a new mystery can get created? So if you're on a grain-free diet, please be mindful about the amount of oxalates that you consume. You can still be on a grain-free diet, 
but be mindful to rotate your nuts and use other things like cassava to mix things up. Since spinach is one of the highest oxalate foods, if you don't have a choice about consuming the nuts and sweet potatoes, as I know that they do help a lot in creating more food choices while on this diet, eliminating spinach completely can help you lower the oxalate load and also make sure that you have enough calcium to prevent further oxalate buildup. Mistake number four is putting kale on everything. Yes, greens are good for us. I'm not arguing that. But so many people start eating kale salads, sauteing kale for every meal, making smoothies and green drinks with tons of kale. Here's the issue. While kale has lots of health benefits, it is also high in sulfur. And eating too much can create a sulfur overload for some sensitive individuals, especially if you're already eating a lot of meat, eggs, and other greens, which are also high in sulfur. The effects of this could be eczema, rashes, breakouts, and even swelling around the eyes. A whole other health mystery. I actually did an episode on this issue of sulfur metabolism. So if you missed it, check out episode number 10, where I interview my associate, Beth Mosher, who specializes in this, and we discuss it in detail. So when it comes to greens, yes, they're healthy, but be mindful to rotate your greens, especially if you start to experience any type of skin issues after eating more of them. Also, keep in mind that while leafy green vegetables do have fiber, eating too many of them, especially kale, can actually create constipation for some people. So that's another thing to watch out for. Everything in moderation is always best. The fifth mistake that I see very often is not listening to our bodies. When we experience pain, discomfort, and other ailments, that is our body talking to us. As we start to experiment with different eating styles, supplements, and the like, our body will continue to talk to us. But are you listening? If you try something that your friend swears by, but you don't feel well, it's likely that your genetics, biochemistry, or physiology are different. And even though your ailment may be exactly the same, your body may not respond to that same approach. I can't tell you how often I see people coming in and saying they've been on a specific diet because they read that it's the one for their ailments. Meanwhile, they may be gaining too much weight or feeling more tired or experiencing other effects that are way less desirable, but they power through because it worked for their friend or because someone told them it's the only answer. Of course, it doesn't mean you need to give up, but just the realization that we are all different. And so if your body is telling you it doesn't like it, that's not the approach for you. And then a pivot or a change of direction is needed. In some situations, we may be doing a cleanse and may experience what I call a detox reaction. And in that case, it's possible to feel a little worse before you feel better. In those cases, we do want to be aware it may just be detox and not our body telling us that it's not right for us. But even in those cases, we still want to listen. What I mean is that while detox reactions are common when killing off yeast, bacteria, parasites, or doing a liver cleanse, they should not feel extreme. Yes, we can experience a little gas or bloating, sometimes fatigue or maybe joint pain or even flu-like symptoms. However, if those become extreme and bothersome, even if it is detox, it is still your body talking to you. Detox reactions happen when we kill off the bugs and they release their toxins into our bodies. If these symptoms are more extreme, that means there are too many toxins being released and the body is not able to handle them adequately. I know so many people say, it's okay, I'm tough, I can take it, let me kill off more, I don't care if I don't feel well. 
But we have to remember that if the symptoms are more than just a little uncomfortable and the body is speaking to you saying, hey, things are hurting or they're off, it's because it's not able to handle it. This creates physical stress and the toxins can build up creating a bottleneck. So while you may feel like a trooper going at 110% and finishing the cleanse on or even before schedule, the strong reaction is your body's way of saying it can't take it and it's likely doing more harm than good. So please listen to what your body is saying. In those situations, slowing down on the cleanse supplements or even taking a break for a few days will allow the liver to produce more glutathione and flush out the toxins they have built up so that you can get the full benefit of the cleanse as you restart slower. As you start to listen to your body, also be mindful about your thoughts. This is actually a much larger conversation. I'll have much more about this in the coming episodes because your body truly hears what your mind is saying. It is important that we're aware. But what I want to leave you with today is to be mindful about placing blame or lamenting. So often I hear people say, if only someone told me this sooner, if only I didn't have these genetics, if only my life would be different or things would be like this or like that. I would not have this issue if only the doctor caught it earlier, or if my parents fed me differently, or I didn't live in this place, etc., etc. Placing blame and wishing things were different are rarely going to get your results, but often just create overwhelm, anxiety, and stress. Time is not renewable, so don't waste it over things you can't change or simply don't have control over. So what can you change? What do you have control over? It is what you do, what you believe, and what you say that will move the needle, and that is within your power. So rather than waiting for things to go back to where they were, because realistically, that will likely not happen, start being resourceful, pivoting when necessary, and taking action. Most people don't get to where they are by complaining about their circumstances and wishing that things would be different or easier for them. They worked with what they have, continued persevering even when things got hard. And sometimes as we go through our health journeys, it's not a straight line. There are times it may feel like we take one step forward and two steps back, but that is how we learn and that is what makes us resilient. I always say that optimizing health is a journey and often a marathon rather than a race. But with that said, there are so many things that you could do. The answers are truly out there. And I hope that these can help you see the possible pitfalls to help you on your journey. You got this. There you have it. My top five mistakes that can accidentally create more health mysteries, even though you may be doing things that are supposed to be healthy. If you guys have questions, I am here for you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. You can also join the conversation on social. I am at Ina Toppler on Instagram and also on Facebook. And I know that my schedule has been so busy that I was not able to take on new people for a long while, but I wanted to let you know that we just added a three month VIP program and I'll be taking on a few people a month. So if you have a health mystery that you need help getting to the bottom of, email or call my practice, Complete Nutrition and Wellness, and my office manager extraordinaire, Lisa, will give you all the details about how we can work together. Thank you so much for listening. And see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.